So when I met the woman who is now my wife, I learned something really important early in our, early in our relationship. I learned that one person's definition of on time is different than another person's definition of on time. And unless you kind of figure out how you're going to define being on time in a relationship, it can cause a lot of problems. So for me, being on time means like 15 minutes early. So if something starts at 10, I want to be in the parking lot at like 9.45. If I'm going to a movie that's going to start at 6, I'm like, hey, let's get there at like 5.30, get our popcorn, get the tickets. We'll be in our seats 15 minutes ahead of time. And I know some of you are thinking, this guy's so annoying. I knew he was going to be one of those people. That's just how I am. If, I, if I'm later than that, I start to worry like, what if there's traffic? What if something goes wrong? I don't want to walk in late. And so that's my version of on time. Now, Nicole, my wife, has a different version. And she's like, you know, if something starts at 10, like we just need to be there at 10-ish. And so early in our relationship, this caused a lot of frustration. So like for me, I felt like we're always late. Like everything, we're, we're running at the last minute. We're always getting there late. But she was frustrated too because she's like, hey, you're a dork. We don't have to be there a half hour early for everything. And so over the years, we've, we've sort of compromised and found a, a good place that makes both of us happy. Maybe one of the hardest things about following Jesus is understanding that God's timing is often way different than our timing. His on time is different than what we have in mind for on time. I think it's fair to say that a lot of times it feels like God's moving a little slower than we'd like him to. And I think what happens is we're so on to what's next. Our timing says we should be over here. So we're so on to what's next. When am I going to, God, when am I going to get that promotion? When are you going to introduce me to that special somebody? God, when are you going to let me start a family? God, when am I going to be able to retire? We're moving on, moving on. That we forget to engage with the people and the circumstances and conditions that are right around us. So today we're going to talk about what do we do when God's timing is totally different than our timing. So if you've got a Bible with you, you could get it out, you could turn it on. We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah is probably just halfway or just past halfway in your Bible. And we're going to finish up this series we've been on this summer called Are We There Yet? And I'm going to introduce you to a guy. I'm going to give you the words of a guy that I'm calling Engaging Jeremiah. And so we're going to go, okay, sometimes God's plan, God's timing is a lot different than ours. So what might he be asking in the here and now, right where we are? What might he be wanting from us to engage the people and the circumstances right around us? So let me take you to the book of Jeremiah. The things that are happening in Jeremiah are going on about 600 years before Jesus is born. Jeremiah is a prophet in Israel, another one of God's communication directors in Israel. He's a prophet there for about 40 years, and it's kind of a unique situation because the first part of his job at the beginning, his job is he's calling the nation of Israel back to God. He's saying, you have strayed from God. You're going down a path that isn't going to end well, so turn around, repent, come back, and start following God and his teachings and his commands. 
Of course, the nation of Israel doesn't do that. And so the the latter part of Jeremiah's job is going to be to encourage them because what's going to happen is a guy named Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king of Babylon, he's going to come in and he's going to destroy Jerusalem. And when he does, he's going to take with him whatever he wants, including a lot of people, so thousands upon thousands of people. And he takes the best of the best. He takes the brightest, takes the academics, he takes takes the most skilled craftsmen, he takes the strongest warriors, He takes the cream of the crop of people and he takes them to Babylon where he makes these people work for him. They are his slaves about a thousand miles from home in Babylon. And so these people who are stuck in Babylon are going like, God, how did we get here? What's going on here, Lord? And when when are you going to get us out of here? And so Jeremiah is now writing to these people who are in Babylon to encourage them and to offer them some sort of hope. And so he writes this letter, and the letter shows up in Jeremiah chapter 29. So let's read some of it. Here's what it says. Jeremiah 29 verse 1 says, This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles, the priests and the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Jump down to verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Two things I don't want you to miss. If you have your Bible in front of you, I would highlight these things. First, he says, this message comes from, he says, from the God of Israel. He says this because it's a reminder. It's a reminder to the Israelites, I'm still your God. I know you're in Babylon. I know it's foreign territory. You're kind of wondering what the heck happened here. I'm still your God. I've got you. Your circumstances, I know your circumstances don't make any sense to you, but it's okay. I've got you. It's just a reminder. Certainly, we could use a reminder that God is still there and he's still with us when we're going through things in life that aren't as we expected. But that's the first thing. The second thing, underline this, he says, God says, to those I carried into exile. He's saying, you're in exile because of me, because I allowed that. I put you in Babylon. And what he's saying is, Nebuchadnezzar is not so great that he somehow beat me and he stole you away from me. I've allowed this to happen, so you're okay. It's God's way of saying, like, I'm still in control. And in your pain, you're okay. I've got you. Maybe if you're a a note taker, if you're somebody who's going to write some things down today, something you might write in your notes is this, is that God is never surprised by my circumstances. God is not surprised by my circumstances. God is going, he's saying to the Israelites, you're all right. Don't panic. I know you want out of Babylon. I know you're probably getting a little frustrated with me. I know that you don't understand my timing, but it's okay. I've got you. Watch what he tells them. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Verse 5. He says, Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number while you're in Babylon. Do not decrease. 
So he's just going, hey, I, I know you don't like it there. I know if it were up to you, I would just come in and swoop in and I just, I just fix everything. But here's the deal. You're going to be there for a while. So, so settle in. There were some people amongst the Israelites who claimed to be prophets who were telling all the people, oh, this isn't going to last that long. God wouldn't leave us here. Six months, couple years, we'll be out of here. We'll be back home. Everything's good. And so Jeremiah is writing to go, no, that's, that's not the case. You're going to be there for a little while. Build houses, plant gardens, make babies. That's what you need to do while you're there. And I think this is cool. Check this out. Bible nerd coming out right now. So this, what he's saying right here is an illusion. It's a reminder to people. This would remind the Israelites, they would think back when they're hearing this because a long time before this, more than a thousand years before this, there was a guy named Abraham. He was one of their ancestors. And God made a promise to Abraham. God promised Abraham, I'm going to give you land and I'm going to make you a great nation. Well, what's God saying in Babylon? He's saying, build houses, that's land, have babies. You sh- I'm making you a great nation. What he's saying is, even in these painful circumstances that you don't really want to be in, these circumstances that don't make sense to you, I'm still making good on my promise. This is God's way of proclaiming. Even though you were disobedient to me, I'm still faithful to the goodness that I promised you. Israelites, build houses, have babies, I'm still your God. And so this side of history, I think we read that and we go, that's cool. Like they have God's reassurance, God is speaking to them, God tells them I'm with you, it's going to be okay. And I think probably we're like, man, if God would tell me that, I could certainly endure circumstances better. Like if God would just tell me it's going to be okay. So that, you know, the Israelites, they're good, right? But if you step into their shoes, like there's a tension there because They don't want to be there. Like, they don't want to be in this place. God, just fix it. Get us out of here. Like, God, your your timing stinks. Like, can you relate to that? I mean, we all have something in our life, right, where we're like, God, I don't want to be here. Like, God, I, I I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to live like this. Like, we all have something. God, like, I hate this job. I don't want to be in it anymore. When are you going to give me something else? God, I, I can't stand the neighborhood I live in, the apartment complex in my house. Like, I hate it. God, this relationship. God, like, I, I can't live with this illness anymore. We all have things like that where you just go, God, like, I'm over it. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in this pain. I don't want to live like this. So the Israelites are going, God, just... Just fix it. Come on, do your thing. Make, wave your magic wand. Fix it. Get us back to Jerusalem. And God goes, actually, I'm not going to fix it. Because believe it or not, you're right where I want you right now. So go ahead, set up shop there. Settle in, plant roots, build a house, plant a garden, have a family. You're going to be there a little while. He challenges them further. Verse 7, remember he says, build a house and have a family and plant a garden. Verse 7, he says, also, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. There it is again. The city I carried you into exile. God's again going, don't forget, don't forget I'm still here. Have not forgotten about you. He says, pray to the Lord for the city 
Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Okay, you're in Babylon. So pray for the city. Invest your time in the city. Invest your resources in the city. Be a part of it. Join a bowling league. Get in the PTA. Run for city council. Do something. Engage with where you are. The word that he uses here for peace, pray for the peace, is the Hebrew word shalom. And it really means the wholeness, the, the, the completeness, the, the peace, but also the health and, and, and the wealth of this city. So even though Babylon is not home and you don't really want to be there, pray for it. Want good things for it. In fact, engage in a way. Work there to make it a better place because you're there. Here's what I think is at the heart of what God is saying. I think he's saying, I know you don't like your life very much right now. I know that you don't like Babylon, but Babylon is where I want you. I know you want me to fix your circumstances. You want me to change everything in your life, but really what I want to do right now is I want to change your heart. And I couldn't do that back in Jerusalem. You were too comfortable there. So I had to get you out here in the desert where you felt lost and you finally realized that you needed to rely on me. I needed to get you out here where you were confused so I could bring some sense to things. I needed to make you uncomfortable out here so that you would realize that you can trust me and that you need to trust me. And I couldn't do that in Jerusalem. You were too comfortable there. And I know you like being comfortable, but here's the problem with being comfortable. If things never change, then nothing ever changes. So I had to get you out here in the middle of the desert, and I know you hate it. But I have some things that I want to do in your life and in your heart. And so you're okay. You're all right. Settle in. And if you're like me, you start to see your story a little bit in this story. Because there's something in your life that you're going, God, I'm over this. I'm done with this. God, I... Anytime you want to intervene, God, like I'm ready. Anytime you want to speed up your timing so it lines up with my timing, God, like uh, I'm waiting for you. You have something like that. We all do. But his timing is different. It's so different than we want it to be because God has this view where he can step back and he can see the whole picture. He has much more information than we do, and so he operates at a different pace than you and I do. Keep reading. Verse 10. This is also what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to Jerusalem. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but plans to give you hope and a future. And you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you. And I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. One more time, God says, remember, 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 it's the place that I carried you. I'm still in control. So I want to talk about God's timing. 
But I think there's something that happens here that, to put it in context, if we would kind of zoom out, we might see this incredible truth. See, the Israelites, so the Israelites are in captivity. They're in Babylon, and it's by their own doing. They earned a free trip to Babylon but based on their behavior, their unfaithfulness. So they, the Lord offered many times to forgive them. He sent people to call them back. They didn't. So they end up there. They put themselves there. So they're in Babylon, and yet not only is God saying, hey, I'm not abandoning you. Not only is God saying, I'm not just putting you in this corner and I'll find another group of people who want to follow me. But he's actually saying that during your time in Babylon, I want to invest in you. I want to grow you. Yes, you are disobedient to me, but I'm faithful to you. And so I want to pour into you so that when you come back to Jerusalem, things are going to be better than you ever expected. Things are going to be better than they were before. Like, do you see that? The Israelites turned their back on God. And yet he's going, I'm not done with you. I have all kinds of things in store for you. I put you in Babylon because I needed you to wake up because the way things were going in Jerusalem wasn't good, but on the other side of this whole thing, oh, I want to bless you. And it reminded me of something. It sparks up in my mind. Just zoom out for a second. If we go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, page one, chapter one, God creates humanity. Do you know the first thing that God does? The first interaction he has with mankind. Let me read it for you. Genesis 1, verse 27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. What's the first thing he did? Wait for it. Listen. And God blessed them. So get your mind around this. Let this settle into your soul. God's default response to humanity is blessing. His default response to humanity is blessing. And so often we think that this happens, our timing and God's timing rub up against each other, and we think, oh, God is, God's mean. God, you're holding out on me. Like we, we have this picture in our mind of God is this ancient grandpa in the sky just waiting to spite us. But that's not what the Bible says. It says that God's default response to us, his intended desire, his strong desire, is that he wants to bless us. Maybe you've never heard that about God before. Maybe you've never seen him in that light. But that's who the Bible says that God is. Even the Israelites in their disobedience, they're in Babylon. But God goes, it's okay. My grace is so much bigger than your sin. So yeah, you're going to be there a while, but I'm going to bring you home, and when I do, I'm going to use all of this to draw you closer to me, to bless you. I mean, that's amazing. So here's what I want you to know about God's timing. If you hear nothing else today, because maybe you're frustrated with God right now, you're frustrated with where life has you, here's what I want you to know, is that God is never late. It's that simple. It's that God is never late. I think it's one of the greatest encouragements from Jeremiah. God is not late. I know it feels like it. 
You want him to be sitting in the parking lot 20 minutes before you need him so you can just call him when you need him, right? Okay, God, now I need you to step in. Come on. That's not who God is. That's not how he works. But he's never late. And so if right now you're waiting on God to move, you're waiting in your own little Babylon and you're wondering, how the heck did I get here? And God, when are you going to bail me out? He's not late. More likely, he just isn't done. He's not done working in you yet. He's not doing what he wants to do in your heart. He's teaching you something. He's showing you what patience looks like. He's teaching you to be gentle, to slow down, to trust him, to listen to him. And in his perfect timing, he will show up. And his incredible desire is that when he does, he'll get to bless you. Oh, I want you to know that today because some of you are frustrated with God. Maybe even a little mad at Him. I'm wondering, when's this pain going to end? I want you to know that God is never late. So go back to Jeremiah for a second and just ask the question, is there anything there for us? As we're following Jesus, is there anything to learn from a bunch of people that are ticked off in the desert thousands of years ago? I think there is. And I think it's this. It's that if I believe that God is never late, then I can grow where I live and I can serve where God plants me. I can engage, you and I, we can engage right where we are today. And I know it might not be where you want to be. It's not the job you want to be in. It's not the relationship that you hoped for. It's not where you wanted to live. Maybe you don't want to be in this city but you can engage right where you are. If I believe that God is never late, then I can grow. I can plant roots, roots and grow right where God has me. I can grow in a relationship with Jesus, and I can grow in love towards the people right around me. I think that is the perfect way, a beautiful way to end this series, Are We There Yet? Because we've been saying that this, this life this thing is a journey, and we haven't arrived probably at the place that we want to be. We're not the person that God wants us to be, but we said in the beginning that it's not just about the destination. This following Jesus thing is about the journey. And so each of us is, is on this journey, and wherever you are on that journey right now, you can engage. You can engage with Jesus, and you can engage with, with the people that are around you. So are you there yet? Are you at your destination? No. Are you the person that you want to be? Probably not. But can you trust that God is working in you and that he knows right where you are and that he's never late? Pray with me. God, your ways are not our ways, and your thoughts are so far above our thoughts. God, sometimes we think that we have things all figured out, and if you would just get in line, then everything would work right. We get frustrated with you and with your timing. We make demands of you. God, we repent of all that. 
And we want to believe that your timing is perfect and that you're never late. Help us to believe that. God, some of us are so frustrated right now with life, with where we are. God, maybe some of us are even experiencing pain. God, would you remind us that you're in control, that you've got us, and that we don't see the picture that you see, and your timing is perfect, and you're going to show up in that timing, and what you really want is you want to bless us. God, help us to believe that. Help us to trust that. Jesus, I thank you that you didn't stay in heaven, but you came to earth to engage us with love. It couldn't have been comfortable, but you did it for us. And we thank you. Help us, Jesus, to be more like you so that we can engage. We can trust God's timing and we can engage the people and the conditions around us right now. It's in your name we pray. Amen.